Welcome, everybody, to the ninth episode of the Worldwide Wednesday Podcast. I'm Sovereign. And I'm Shiny. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. Yeah, so we have um, two uh, media segments and two political segments. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the two uh, media segments are pretty closely related, but I think we'll have fun with it. Okay. And so... The first thing that we want to start with is the new episode of Hawkeye that dropped today. Yeah. Honestly, I've got a lot higher opinions of this episode. I know last week I was extremely mixed on how it all came out, but this week was a lot better, not going to lie. I definitely agree. Um, Last week, I definitely was feeling a little let down about the show. I felt that... It wasn't really gripping me with anything interesting, not any interesting plot points or anything. But this episode, this episode was really good because we finally got introduced to Echo. We saw a bit of her backstory with hints that maybe Kingpin is there. And we also are just furthering the story. I mean, um, Clint and Kate are now working together. And the ending of the episode, you have Jack confronting Clint. So I feel like we're finally progressing in a meaningful way and getting like meaningful character interactions. And you bringing up Jack, this episode actually landed on a decent cliffhanger for once because I know we both of us were disappointed with the cliffhanger in episode two. Yeah. So this cliffhanger was a lot better. It's uh, Jack confronting Clint with the Ronin sword, which is probably going to make Clint very suspicious about Jack, making him think that, oh god, this guy is like a villain that yeah. wants stuff from the Avengers compound or something. Now, what, what, if, what if there's a possibility that they already know each other? That could work. The one thing I'm curious about, though, is that in this... In this universe, uh, Clint is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. That is the one thing that we don't know much about his past. Like, the furthest back we can go is his mission at Budapest. Yeah. So, I wonder. But then again, I'm looking at Jack, and does he look older than Clint? They don't have to be older. I mean, they look relatively the same age. Yeah. I mean, the big thing is that in the comics... um. Uh, Jack was, uh, Jack taught Clint because they used to work in the same circus. Yeah, which, obviously, in this universe, there's no connection to Hawkeye with the circus at all. Yeah. And that makes me wonder that if Jack and Clint are somehow know each other pre-Shield days, I wonder if that means we'll see Clint's brother, Trickshot, who's another archer. Yeah. So, maybe. Maybe they will know each other, maybe they won't. But I am interested in seeing the confrontation between the two. Yeah. Because I think we'll finally be able to put to bed this idea that Jack is the main villain or something, which we all know is not true. Yeah. Now, one thing I do want to bring up before I forget, what do you think of that, uh, that cinematography experiment they did where they did the constant revolving to make it look like one-shot car during the car chase scene? I really liked it. I yeah. thought it was really good. It really kind of showed like the chaos of the situation where yeah. like Clint is deaf and he has a teenager in his car. <laughs> I say teenager very loosely. She's 22. She's the same age. No, she's a year younger than me. But like, yeah, he just has like a young girl in his car shooting arrows. He's deaf and he's getting chased by the mafia. Shooting just, trick arrows, so it's even worse. Yeah, one of which blew up a van in the middle of New York. Yeah. 
Which... But I thought that scene was incredible, and I like that we actually saw more than what the trailer showed us, besides, like, the exploding arrow. Yeah. Like, we saw the putty arrow, we saw the gas arrow, we saw the Pimtech arrow, which, which was amazing. Which we gotta dive into that, because that is, uh, that brings up a whole bunch of questions. Yeah. And overall, it just really took a lot from the comic version of that scene, but, like, made it very unique. Yeah. Yeah. Now I do want to talk about that Pim arrow and where in the how in the world he got that because, as far as we know, like Hank Pym doesn't really like to communicate with the Avengers. So, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that this was made by Hope during. No, it couldn't have made by Hope because she. Well, it would either need to have been made by Hope. During like, no, it couldn't be Hope. See, because think because she was mad at Scott during. Because think about it, think about it. Yeah. Up until Ant Man, Hank Pym had had been like extremely and like against social, yeah, antisocial and against interacting with any Stark. And then it carries that through to the Avengers. And then after that happens, Civil War, where Hank Pym, Hope, and uh, Scott or not. No, Scott didn't go into hiding, did he? No. No, no. He, went, he he was in house arrest. So, yeah, so, so Scott then... Scott and um Scott and Clint got arrested and they got put under house arrest because they have families. Meanwhile, Cap broke out uh Falcon and Widow. Yeah. So Hank Pym and Hope would have been in there up until twenty twenty three, because up until um up until Ant Man and the Wasp they hadn't interacted with anybody and just came out of hiding to to uh deal with uh to deal with everything that happens in that movie and yeah. then they were dusted and then they came out the only time we see them out interacting with other people is the funeral is, is the funeral so then i'm wondering do you think because here's one thing so we know that Darren Cross during the original Ant-Man was selling Pimtech weapons yeah. to various underworld dealers. Do you think that Clint got the arrows during his time as Ronan? It could be. Because we know that you Cross sold it to Hydra and the Ten Rings, among other shady yeah. operates. And yeah, we know one Hydra agent did steal Pimtech. That is true, considering the fact that um that Pimtech had been separated from Hank Pym for a while. Yeah. it had been... I think it was just alluded in Ant-Man that he was um, fired from the board of directors a few years beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. So it definitely looks like... It could have been that the Hydra agent that stole the Pym particles, um, where they were able to make it into a variety of different weapons and they sold it to other criminal organizations or got them stolen from other criminal organizations on the black market and they were just shuffled around and eventually Ronan went on his criminal killing spree and probably like started picking up whatever. Yeah. But with lore implications aside, were you surprised by that by that scene? Because I definitely was. I did I not was not expecting a Pim Tech arrow. That was the last thing I was expecting. Especially because like we don't really see a lot of trick arrows from Hawkeye. At most we see the Wait. exploding arrow and the grappling hook arrow and the suction cup arrow, and that's it. We saw the, the USB arrow in the Avengers. That's kind of the critical thing 
in the in his attack on the helicarrier was nothing, the USB. Nothing wacky like putty or uh, gas or anything like that. Like that. Is, he did um because that's a little more grounded. He did use gas against Black Panther during their civil war fight. That is fair. Yeah, because um T'Challa caught them and he broke them and then gas blew out of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm pretty sure one of his arrows like split into like mini drones at one point during Civil War as well. It it just it, I don't know if drones. I think it just exploded into shr like shrapnel like. Yeah, which is different than his normal exploding trick arrow. Yeah, because of uh, it has a stronger like. Like, but these effect. trick arrows were more grounded in yeah. reality, not like the wacky ones we see here or the one we saw in What If. Yeah, and What If we only saw because we saw the force field arrow. We saw force field arrow. We saw. The knife arrow, basically, because he used his arrow as a knife. Um, we saw the USB arrow, and that one was in integral to what if as well. And we saw the nuke arrow, yeah, because it had to have been it, it had to have been a nuke to cause that explosion. Probably. <laughs> so yeah, this to, was the to first take out an entire squad of of Ultron's uh, centuries. Centuries, yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Um, yeah, the new are the new arrows that we've seen are the putty arrows, the, the pim arrow, the pim arrow, the web. Not it's like a web, but not really. Kind kind of like a giant, like, like a giant, net. I would say yeah, it's more like a giant, like more like a. Like the grappling hook arrow, but like on a larger scale. Yeah, the one that like stopped their car and everything. Yeah. So mainly those three are like. I mean, the, and the web arrow is still even grounded in reality, but the yeah. pim arrow and the putty arrow, yeah. those are a little bit more wacky than we're used to. Yeah, those ones we haven't seen, and even the gas arrow that he uses is now a different color. Like it, it looks a little more cartoony compared because like the smoke that came out when T'Challa caught them, they were like it, gray. It, it was like a little more realistic smoke, and meanwhile the other one was, yeah, like purple. Yeah. So I really like the trick arrows, and I hope we see more of them. If we see more Hawkeye, which I mean is fair, but we we know we're gonna see more because um, one he is getting shot at while he's dressed in a suit, and two we see him jump out of a window. Oh, you and mean he's... in the series? Yeah, we're gonna okay. see it. We're gonna see him. At least repel using repel over Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I just hope he retires after this series because he he looks tired as hell in this series. Oh, he's definitely gonna retire. I think like what's gonna happen is that he's gonna retire. Kate becomes the new Hawkeye, and Echo will become the new Ronan. Yeah, because like I said last week, he's been trying to retire for a decade now. Yeah, <laughs> so I think I think he's retiring. Kate becomes the new Hawkeye, Echo becomes the new Ronin. And speaking of Echo, what did you think of her backstory? It was interesting, I gotta say. Because, like, there's the obvious, like, thing to point out, which is, for anyone who has watched the Netflix Daredevil show, there's, like, a, a, a hand that comes out uh, behind the camera that, like, encourages her as a child. And, like, oh, that's obviously Kingpin. But it's not just that. There's laughter. And it sounds exactly like Vincent D'Onofrio. It Dinofrio. sounds really like Vincent D'Onofrio. I think that it is Kingpin. And I mean, if you... And I mean, if you go to... um, What is it? The 
the Marvel Studios wiki, I am pretty sure they already have him casted in like in their sources and they only post official castings. Yeah. So like let's be honest here. He 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 he's in this show. Which will be extremely gratifying because uh Netflix's Daredevil is probably one of the best MCU uh stories out there. Yeah. Which, surprisingly, it stays consistently good throughout the whole series. Yeah. Unlike... Oh, actually, they removed... Wait. Yeah. No, yeah, they still have him. They still have him listed on the wiki, so he's definitely in there. Yeah, like, like I didn't even have to look online to know, like, yeah, that's 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 definitely King Ben. Yeah. Especially knowing, like, uh, the comic book backstory where, um, I believe it was... So, in the comics, she was the daughter of an assassin of Kingpin. Yes. So basically, it's kind of very similar. So in in this show, Crazy Horse, which is the name of the assassin, he leads the tracksuit mafia. In the comics, he doesn't lead the tracksuit mafia, but he is an assassin that works for Kingpin. Yeah. He's one of the many assassins that worked for King, Kingpin alongside Clown, alongside Echo. Well, not alongside Echo, but like Clown. Um, there's Bullseye. There's Elektra sometimes, like, yeah. the various assassins that will get hired by Kingpin. Now, Crazy Horse was one of them, and uh, Kingpin kills him in the comics, but in this... It's Ronan that, Ronan that kills him, yeah. which I find to be very interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested. Part of me thinks that, oh, that's definitely Clint, because it looked exactly like how he was killing off uh, the Yakuza members in Endgame. Yeah. But um, Screen Crush had a, had pointed out that it could potentially be an imposter, like how he had how um, Kingpin had um, Bullseye dress up as Daredevil in Daredevil season three. Hmm. And while that sounds really cool, I do think it's Clint. And I yeah, I I I, I don't see that uh, resurfacing in this because it's kind of like. It, it, if it is to happen, then it would have to happen in Echo series. Yeah, I don't know how satisfying that would be. I don't think it would be satisfying. I think it's Clint, and the main reason why is there's something I picked up, which is that Clint doesn't tell Kate he's Ronan. Yeah. He's made it very apparent that he wants Ronan and Hawkeye to be considered two distinct entities. Despite the fact that if you just told her he was Ronan, it would make things a lot easier. Yeah, though at the same time, he does have his reservations as to telling her, because, I mean, she is pretty talkative. I think it's less that he's, that she's pretty talkative, and more about the fact that he does in some way feel like he is a role model. Yeah, He just doesn't want to admit it, in part because he did become the Ronin, and he did become like a vigilante that murdered in not indiscriminately, but if you were amongst the criminal underworld, you were murdered indiscriminately. Yeah. Which was, like, a big no-no for, like, an Avenger who was forced to sign the Sokovia Accords. Yeah, especially because, like, there was, like... <sighs> I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but like... we... I I think it's Clint, and I think he's hiding that fact because he just... He can't admit to himself. He doesn't want to admit to himself anymore that he's wrong. Yeah. Now I remember what it's... And there was the conversation, like, it's made apparently clear that... 
not only to us as the audience, audience, but as to Clint himself, that Kate like pretty much worships him. Yeah. And so like, like he tries really hard to tell Kate not to consider him a role model, but yeah. that's just she won't let him have it that way. I think because there, yeah. there are things that do inspire her be, uh, because of him and his actions in the series as well. I honestly think the thing that will really clue in Clint as to why she really does appreciate him is she's going to tell him that the day her father died, Clint saved her life from the Shatari yeah. during during the events of the Avengers. And I think that's going to re- make Clint realize, like, I am way more important to this girl than I could ever imagine. Yeah. Because, like, th- on the worst day of her life, he was the only good thing that happened that day. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's also interesting that he name-dropped Black Widow as the one to kill Ronan, which we all know is symbolic and not literal. Yeah. But we have to remember that Yelena Belova is going to be in this show. And so we will see Black Widow come again. <laughs> right. I keep forgetting that like there's gonna be all these like passing down of the torch with certain like like um hero names and all of that. Yeah, with uh Shuri rumored to becoming Black Panther and Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Kate becoming Hawkeye, um Yelena becoming Black Widow, um, Sam becoming Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're potentially getting we're getting Ironheart, which is another version of Iron Man. So yeah. Yeah. And we're getting um Patriot with uh Joseph. Elijah, not Josiah, Elijah. Really? Hmm. Yeah, Elijah that we saw in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm, I'm kind of surprised to hear him coming back at all because, like, like he's, like, one of those characters I feel like should not make, like, any heroic appearances because I feel like, I don't know, I don't know if it would be appropriate for his character, honestly. For Elijah? Yeah. The younger kid? Oh, for the younger kid. Okay. No, no, no. Isaiah is the older man. Okay. Elijah is his grandson. Okay. And in the comics, Elijah's part of the Young Avengers. Okay. Does he, like, inherit his his powers through... No, in the comics... So, Elijah lies initially in the comics and says that he inherited it from his grandfather, but in reality, he was taking mutant growth hormone to empower himself. But then, after a mission gone wrong where he's severely injured, he gets a blood transfer from Isaiah, which then puts the super soldier serum into his veins, and he does genuinely become a super soldier. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's the story of Elijah. Alright. And I'm kind of confused as to why we see Isaiah and Elijah and not Josiah, which is Isaiah's son, who is a super soldier as well. Hmm. So, but that's a, that's a tangent for another day. Yeah, that sounds like a massive rabbit hole that I don't even want to dive into, because that bringing up that brought up a lot more questions that I was not willing to ask <laughs> yeah but yeah so we're gonna see um yelena again and she is which even if we don't pay attention to leaks is kind of a given because of the end credit scene of uh black widow not even if you pay attention to leaks they like, straight the, up the... just announced her in the show they announced that, she, that florence Pugh was casted in the show i'm saying excluding all external factors like mm-hmm. within the lore it if you sense. are just a person who only watches the movies, 
it would make sense that she's coming in this show. Yeah. And in my opinion, I think it's that she is going to come in as another enforcer for the tracksuit mafia under Kingpin. Hmm. Like, I feel that how it's going to work is that either Kazi dies and she is his replacement, or she's going to be backup. I genuinely think it's going to be that she is coming in as an assassin when she has, when she already has a boss. Because as we know, um, Val isn't the, isn't above skirting the law. I mean, she literally is making John Walker a superhero after he just got fired by the U.S. government and is not subtly implying that she can steal a vibranium shield from the government. Yeah. So, yeah. So, those are... I think that's almost everything that's happened. Um, um, I will say that I am happy that I'm at least a slightly uh, vindicated on the fact that I wanted the tracksuit mafia to be a little goofier. Yes, I really liked how um, Enrique is just having a fight with his girlfriend about the Imagine Dragons concert, and Kate's just <laughs> like, well, it's a good thing you're not going. They suck. And he's like, I like Imagine Dragons. <laughs> Speaking of dragons, I also thought it was really interesting that Crazy Horse... And the more I say it, the more I'm just like, wow, that's so kind. That's so many levels of problematic, but they don't they don't name him in the show. So we only have to go off of his comic name. <laughs> but um, when Maya is talking to her dad about dragons, he mentions the fact that dragons are in a different realm and which, they can cross over. Which is an obvious nod to Shang-Chi. Like, it was it was really obvious what they were referencing. I mean, as fans, I appreciate the nod because, I mean, like, it doesn't make sense for them to know it, but of course, it is realistic dialogue. But the other thing is also feel that it is a partial reference to the dragon under New York City. Don't even get me started about the dragon under New York City. Because do, do not get me started on that. <laughs> because here's the thing. I, if I, Kingpin I is in this show, that means the Netflix shows are canon. Meaning that there is canonically a dragon skeleton under Manhattan. You have no idea how many times I freak people out about telling them that there is a dragon underground MCU New York. I mean, it's true though. Like There is a dragon! Like, I tell this to people who are fans of Marvel and they are still freaked out. <laughs> I don't know what's there to freak out about. I mean, in a universe where there's where there's aliens and magic and magic stones that control the universe, is a dragon skeleton under New York City really that far fetched? Is it really? <laughs> it's not. It's not, this... and that's why. And that's why when I tell people these things, I'm like so confused as to why they. They don't believe me. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, woman with magic powers in Slave's Town. Makes sense. Uh, this weird metal-like substance that can be used for literally anything. Not weird. Stones that control the universe. Not weird. A talking duck. Not weird. But dragon skeleton under a city. Too far. <laughs> But I do think it was a reference to both. 
especially because it would make sense that they would reference a bit of the Netflix universe, considering that Kingpin's most likely going to be in this show. We are probably getting Matt Murdock in No Way Home, and we're probably getting Jessica Jones in Shield. Yeah, because when we think of dragons, we think of we think of like ones from the ancestral world and the ones from Kung Lung. Yeah. So I hope I pronounced that one right. Yeah, it is Kung Lung. <laughs> Which does this is a little bit of a side tangent. Do you think we'll see the other three protagonists from the Netflix shows? Being I mean, Punisher. Um, Punisher, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage. Because we already have Jessica Jones confirmed for She-Hulk. Not confirmed, but confirmed in quotation marks. Yeah. It's not official, but let's be honest here. It, it, it probably is. It's happening. It's, it was, I'm pretty sure the source that said that Jessica Jones and She-Hulk is the same one that said Kingpin and Hawkeye. It, it's it's and, pretty much as... And Daredevil and No Way Home. It's pretty much as confirmed as the Spider-Man appearances that's going to happen in that movie. Yeah. So do you think we'll probably see uh, Punisher, Luke Cage, and um, uh, Iron Fist show up? Oh, God. I want to think about which one I want to see first. To be perfectly honest with you, I kind of want to see Luke Cage first. I actually disagree. I want to see Iron Fist first. Actually, considering that his show left off on more of a cliffhanger, that kind of makes sense why uh, you feel that way. Because the other thing is that I think it would be cool to see Shang-Chi with Danny Rand. And hopefully with a better writer behind his character, I swear. I think it would be really cool to see those characters Especially to have a fight between who's the better martial artist. Because yeah. in the comics, Shang-Chi is the better martial artist. But um, Danny, I think, is just stronger because of the fist. Yeah. Well, in this iteration, he doesn't have the fist anymore. Yes, he does. Or he has the chi guns. Yes, he has the guns. He's got the guns, and that's what he has. Yes. He doesn't have the literal fist. He's just got guns that control his cheek. Yeah. And also left off on a cliffhanger with uh, Orson Randall, which could tie into the Ten Rings because he is based out of China. I think they went to China, right? At the ending of Iron Fist Season 2. I think they just went to vague Asian country. I don't think they distinguished which one. If it is China, it would be really cool potentially to see conflict because we are we were told that we're potentially getting a giant spin Giant, not Jiang. It, it is Jiang, I think. I'm confusing the name for Iron for uh, Shang Chi's sister with uh, um, Daisy Johnson's mother. Oh my! Because I think Jiang is the name of Quake's mom. You know what? I think you're right. Um, yeah, but anyways, for Shang Chi's sister, I I heard she's getting a spinoff. And I think it'd be really cool if her spinoff focused on her fight against Orson Randall's organization. Hmm. Which would be really cool because then we would have a way of seeing Danny again and the best character in the MCU, Ward Meacham. I, I, I hold this to be dear and true to my heart. Ward Meacham is the undisputed best character in the MCU. Well, you can have your opinions. He is amazing. Okay. Uh, uh, he's there... our favorite he's our favorite alcoholic uncle. <laughs> I mean, by the ending of Iron Fist, this man is talking shit to 
Chinese criminals in a bar and he's like, Danny, take over. And Danny just whips out two guns, fills it with chi and fires it and destroys a bullet mid-flight. <sighs> but so, is there anything else that needs to be discussed about this episode of Hawkeye? Um, I would just say that improvement. Definitely. It was definitely an improvement. And if we're going by the typical Marvel uh, Disney Plus TV show formula, episode four should be a big one. Yeah. And I feel that is the episode where we're probably going to see the mask fall off for Eleanor, pun intended, because I think she's mad at mask. I think that we'll probably see the first hints of Yelena and probably a stronger hint about Kingpin. Yeah. I do think that this episode definitely solidified uh, Kate and Flint's uh, relationship a little bit better. Because he's actually trying to be responsible for her yeah. instead of trying to just like ditch her. Yeah. Like he's a little bit more accepting of being the role model for her, especially after the numerous conversations that they've had. Yeah. And especially because she helped him communicate with the son when he was deaf. Yeah. So, yeah. I think the. Yeah. I feel like I was a bit more scatterbrained about this one in terms of describing it, but I want to say that I did enjoy this episode a lot, and if the show maintains this level of quality, I think it can end strong. Alright. I'm willing to give this one a 7.5 out of 10. The point I would give it a 7. I'm, I'm only adding the point five just for the willingness to experiment with the, with the one shot. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Because I appreciate good cinematography whenever I see it. Yes, I mean, it was great, but let's be honest here, nothing is beating Daredevil Season 3, one take in the prison. That is true. That was probably the best one take in all of the MCU, and I don't see it being surpassed. when you think about one takes, the only ones that really come to mind, of course, the big one in Daredevil, the big one in Punisher, the um, there's that one small one on the bus in Chang-Chi, mostly because yeah. that one had to distinguish itself as a kung fu action movie. Yeah. The ones in Daredevil were great because they're always so good because we have... Punisher killing people in the prison during season two. We have uh, Lights Out during season one. And then we get the prison during season three. Yeah. Lights Out was also really good. Okay. I think we should move on to our next topic. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So our next topic is going to be about a recent interview between Fandango and Amy Pascal, which is the head of Sony Pictures currently, I believe. And she revealed to Fandango that they have another Spider-Man project in the works. So a lot of stuff has been spreading around like, oh, we're going to get Spider-Man 4, 5, and 6. Now, we're a little skeptical to accept that, mostly because in Tom Holland's previous contracts, when like he signed on for, like I believe, six movies. And those aren't all Spider-Man movies because he's made several appearances in other movies, including The Avengers. Yeah, so the specifics of what Amy Pascal said was that they have other projects involving Spider-Man in the works. And when Tom Holland was asked about this, he said that he's excited to play Peter Parker for a lot longer, which runs contradictory to the fact of how he said he doesn't want to play Peter Parker when he's in his 30s. But <laughs> considering um, if he's signing on for more movies and he's 25 now, he's probably going to be playing Peter Parker when he's 30. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, Which means they got to age him up to be college Spider-Man very soon. Exactly. So I think what this is really confirming is Spider-Man 4, 
whatever it may be, involving the word home. And I think it's going to confirm his appearance in some other Sony properties, such as Spider-Woman, because it was revealed that we're getting a Spider-Woman show, not show, a Spider-Woman movie, and that it's rumored to be co-created between Marvel Studios and Sony, a la the Spider-Man films. Which would be really cool because we've already met Spider Woman in the MCU. Hmm. Do you know the her name is escaping me, but the Asian girl in Peter's class that you see in Homecoming and in Far From Home? No, that one escapes me. Well, yeah, the Asian one, the Asian girl who's around Peter's age. Um, she is Spider Woman in the comics, and I think they may go with that fact. I, I think they will go with that fact because, I mean, they have the character and the character has already been introduced to the MCU. So I think it'd be really yeah. easy. And it, since it's being made, the thing that confirms it to me is that it's being made alongside Marvel Studios. Yeah. So now here's a, a quick thing that just came up in my mind. Do you think they're going to try to re rectify Spider-Man's public image in uh no way home because i think what's going to happen personally is that he is going to the spell is going to happen he is going to have everything erased and he's going to start college as like by himself like he's the only one that knows what do you think like after the end of the movie or yeah yeah which, hmm. yeah, that would considering that we haven't seen the movie, it's tough to put my finger on an answer. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They'd have to do a lot of working around because I mean, a big part of Spider-Man's character is being rejected by New York publicly, because we get bits and pieces of that from other Spider-Man media, thanks to. The Daily Bugle. Yeah. But. Oh, I want to correct myself. I was wrong. So, the girl that is in Peter's school, her name is Cindy Moon. She doesn't become Spider Woman. She becomes Silk, which is another female spider based vigilante. But, you know, maybe they can have both of them as Spider Woman. Okay. Yeah. But continue. Great. Now I lost my Outside. train of thought. But. Oh, now I remember. I was talking about his public image. Um, yeah, because, again, the big part of his character is the fact that he is hated by a good chunk of New York, but he still is out and do doing good. Yeah. So, in order for him to carry more movies, I wonder if they're going to try to rectify his image. And I know you're saying that him going to college and basically dropping everybody else is, is a possibility. I don't know how I feel about that. See, I don't like the idea, but I think it may be what they're going for, specifically for a couple reasons. One, it will allow them to introduce um, Mary Jane, Mary Jane Watson, um, Gwen Stacy, and Harry Osborne as his new crew. But you're, well, I guess not really MJ, but... We have Michelle Jones, but let's be honest here. I think they are going to try and do Mary Jane. 
You think so? I think they will do that. And I think we're going to have Gwen Stacy, but I don't think she's dying. I think she'll become Spider-Gwen. Yeah. Yeah, especially because of the fact that we already have gone through that storyline before in The Amazing Spider-Man. And it's kind of like, yeah, if you introduce her, it's either implied that she's becoming Spider-Gwen or she's dying. Yeah. I think I think they want to introduce like these new this new group of friends because we'll finally be able to do a story of Peter fighting a friend in the form of Harry. Yeah. Because we can't do it with Ned because Ned isn't the hobgoblin. Or maybe they will make Ned the hobgoblin later on. <laughs> Who knows? But um I think they want to make it so that Peter can move on with a fresh set of people. Because I also think they want to detach Flash, potentially, from um, from Peter, so he can go on to become Agent Venom. Because Flash, in the comics, has his own separate, like, life after Midtown High School. Like, he joins the military, he fights in the- he fights during the War on Terror, he gets the Venom symbiote, he joins the Guardians of the Galaxy. He comes back. He gets the anti-Venom suit. Like, he has his own stories that are not tied to Peter. And I think in making it so that Peter ditches everyone with a new set of characters, but allows the characters that we have left to develop into their own entities. I could definitely see... Ned end up becoming the Hobgoblin and Peter facing him down and realizing he has to fight his best friend from high school. Or Flash becoming Agent Venom and having his own, like, like, group of adventures. Okay. What do you think the plot for a Spider-Man 4 would be, though? Well, in order to figure out a plot, we gotta figure out a main villain. So, what is... I mean, there's plenty of room in a Spider-Man's rogue gallery, being one of the biggest in comic book history, aside from Batman. Yeah. Um, I don't know how ready I am to jump on another Green Goblin yet. I don't think it's going to be Green Goblin. If anything, it's not going to be Craven the Hunter, because he's getting his own movie. It would, I, In my opinion, I think it would work if he fought someone notable, but not too notable, Maybe he fights Scorpion, but I think it'd be better if he fought Mr. Negative. Yeah, because pretty much in every other iteration of Spider-Man movies, we've gotten pretty much every major villain. We've had Doc Ock, we've had, um, of course, Green Goblin. Electro, Shocker, Lizard, Sandman. Yeah, pretty much all of his A and B tier uh, uh members of his role. So, we could have Mr. Negative, I think would be really cool. Rhino, if he's not used. We could introduce Black Cat, but I that think one, she, That one actually is a But one. I think she has her own um, project. We could have Silver Sable and her entire basically like, uh, she's not a warlord, it's a mercenary faction. We could have that. Um, or, Dar- help, or help, even Kingpin. Kingpin. Kingpin could work. We could do Kingpin. We could do the Roxxon Corporation. We already know they exist in the MCU via 
the rocks the rock smart that we see during loki yeah <laughs> but as well as the fact that we see hints of them during the netflix shows and they are prominent during um cloak and dagger yeah that's so i, I don't even know if i want to dive into that show <laughs> i feel like i'll dive in i feel like i'll dive into cloak and dagger when they become when their story becomes relevant again yeah which but, i think will probably become more relevant once midnight suns becomes a thing yeah but anyway getting back on topic um i think i do think one thing though i think we'll see the black suit in spider-man 4 think so i think what's gonna happen is i don't think peter is fighting eddie in spider-man 4 i think that's a venom 3 and i think because venom since we've established through the venom movies that if you take part of the symbiote out and put it into another if you take part of the symbiote out and it can go into another person it becomes a new symbiote i'm wondering if we will get black suit spider-man yeah because i know a lot of people were going crazy about oh there's a black black suit in no way home when it's really just a magic suit um i so it's a magic suit but i've also heard that apparently the black suit in no way home is just the inside out is inside out um other um iron spider suit yeah i know the big thing that we're gonna get in no way home is that we're gonna get the integrated suit which is basically a combination of all suits that we've seen prior which will be really cool yeah and i think that would be the best for peter if he moved on as like an adult have an integrated suit and then like have a symbiote try to integrate itself with that yeah now what I, now this also just popped up in my mind I wonder if Marvel Studios is going to try to force Tom Holland to use an older voice. Because for a while now, we've known, like, that him being um, an actor with an accent, like, he puts on a completely different voice yeah. and a lot higher-pitched voice for yeah. when he acts. Do you think they're going to force him later on to use a much, old, a much older sounding voice later on? I feel like it's almost a necessity, considering his voice is already a little high, considering how old he is already yeah but at the same time like there no, there, there is a tonal like difference between like tom holland in real life and when he plays yeah. Peter parker so i feel like i i would hope that he gets a much older voice so he sounds more of an adult like how toby and andrew sound more like adults yeah i mean <laughs> andrew garfield was was practically playing college spider-man throughout yeah. the whole throughout the entirety of those movies like yeah, you cannot convince me that he was a high school student in those movies. oh don't even get me started on the original spider-man trilogy the, they were all like in their mid-20s all the high school actors it, it, it's so <laughs> jarring for them to try and convince me that they were um like at least the mcu version did a pretty good job casting younger actors but those other ones i'm like why don't you just make a set in college honestly it just works better. And like I said before, Andrew Garfield pretty much acts like how Spider-Man would in college. Yeah. Because he's a bit like too brash for a high school yeah. Spider-Man. So overall, I think for these new Marvel projects, not Marvel, specifically Spider-Man projects, I think we're definitely getting Spider-Man 4. He's probably going to show up in Venom 3. Yeah. He may show up in some other Sony media whether that be craven the hunter spider woman black cat maybe morbius um trying to think of any other big sony 
releases that they have. I don't think there are many other Sony releases that they have. Do you know of any? Uh, not that I can think of until um, that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, let me just, I want to check real quick because I don't want to be, I don't want to miss anything. So we're getting, so we know Morbius is in development. Or Morbius is coming out in the next few months. Yeah, not in development, coming out in the next few months. Um, we are getting Spider-Woman, which is made by Sony and Marvel Studios. We're getting Craven the Hunter. We're getting, oh, we are getting a Silk. We're getting a Silk series. It's an Amazon series. Amazon? Let's see how long that lasts. Uh, We're very far out from when Silk will probably come out that it could switch over to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, especially because they only recently started like integrating all their stuff into the MCU. Like, because I'm going to be honest here, Amazon uh, Prime Video doesn't not have anything that great aside from like one or two exceptions. Invincible and The Boys. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure one other show that's I can't think of. Yeah. So um, the the Sony projects that he could show up in would be Spider Woman, Craven the Hunter, Silk. And uh, Madame Web. Madame Web will be very interesting because that would involve the, like the web of the multiverse type stuff, and I wonder if they'll tie that into the inevitable Avengers Five Secret Wars. Yeah. Oh boy, more discussions about multiverses. Oh boy. Listen, the multiverse is here to stay for the next half decade to a decade. Like, we saw how long Infinity Saga took. This is probably going to last, like, a while. And we're going to get... The thing is, is we're getting so many explanations for it. Exactly. But I think we're going to start getting, like, something more streamlined as we move forward. Because the next big Marvel projects that could introduce aspects of the multiverse is we have... Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, obviously. Maybe... Thor Love and Thunder. What if season two? Probably. Loki season two, probably. Quantumania. Um The Fantastic Four. Madame Webb. And maybe X-Men ninety-seven. Okay. Yeah. I do like the idea of like Sony being like a little like pocket studio that the MCU has under them. Just spitting out a whole bunch of Spider-Man related content for the MCU. Yeah, I think I hope, my hope is that Sony and Marvel come to an agreement that they will jointly produce productions from now on because I would really like Craven, Madame Web, Silk, um, Venom 3. I would really hope that all of those get to be made together with Marvel like the Spider-Man films are because I think it would just be in the best interest for Sony. Yeah. Personally, I think it's in Sony's best interest to just work with Marvel instead of getting this in association with Marvel type stuff. Just work with them because I think it will overall, first of all, it would get more people invested in their movies because they would then feel, I have to watch these movies now because Venom showed up in the MCU, meaning that this could be part of the MCU. And we're getting the fact that all their previous Spider Man films. Are becoming canon due to the multiverse. I think it's just the next step for them. Yeah, 
And I also am more welcome to more studios having access to Marvel IP. Yeah, I think it's... It, it, it allows for a little more creativity, because, I mean, despite the fact that Venom eventually came into contact with the MCU, Sony, while not great, has made a very unique um, movie with Venom. Yeah, I but, mean, I think it's better this way because... And it's really a shame that Fox never would have allowed this to happen. Because I think it would have been really interesting to have a cinematic universe of movies that was shared amongst production companies. And they just coordinated together. Because yeah. I feel like that would have been what's best for everyone. But... And then just Disney just bought them out of spite. <laughs> yeah, I just hate Because, I mean, that's the other thing is that Disney just has a massive monopoly on things. And it's really disgusting. And it really hampers creativity because it pigeonholes all creators that want to work with different IPs to follow a strict formula of things. Which is why, again, even though Sony has only, the only good thing on their track record is uh, Spider-Verse, yeah. I am more open to them having a bit of a handle on the Spider-Man IP. Yeah. Like, I think it would be really cool. Um, side note, that's actually why I'm really excited for Doom Part 2, because it scratches a bit of a Star Wars itch that I have, but I don't have to go to Disney Star Wars. Yeah, especially because, like, only the TV shows have been really that great. Exactly. Like, I, in terms of Disney Star Wars concept, content, I loved Clone Wars Season 7. I love the Bad Batch. Mandalorian I, was I love the Mandalorian. And even the end of Rebels, I really came to appreciate. Yeah. But when it comes to their movies... Like, whew. it was a rough ride. At least, like, The Last Jedi was had amazing cinematography at the like it was it had it, amazing cinematography and it tried to do something it was extremely different. it was extremely experimental and i appreciate it for that yeah tried to do something different meanwhile the force awakens was a retread which which it was a much needed retread it was a much needed retread as a proof of concept but i feel narratively speaking it really weakened the potential for the universe due to jj Abrams setting up mystery boxes and also and just killing not. off the New Republic twenty minutes into the film. Anyway, we can we can make this a side tangent for a whole other video when Star Wars becomes relevant again. Oh God, I can't wait. I I need to rant about Star Wars and how Disney Star Wars had so much potential and they squandered it by just. I'll save my thoughts. I will save my thoughts. Rant for another day. Rant for another day. Rant for another year because who knows when episode 10 is going to come out? I mean, we don't even need to go that far. We just got to talk about Book of Boba Fett. That is true. The, not, that still takes place in the time of... Not, no, not the original trilogy. It takes time. It's, it's the in-between. It's the in-between. It's the in-between time. It's uh, going to take place around the time of... Uh, a little, little bit three. after. A little after season two, maybe concurrent with season three, maybe concurrent with some other shows like the Ahsoka show. Yeah. I can't wait for that. Yeah, but to wrap up what we were supposed to be talking yes, about... Scott, I got so distracted! To wrap up what we were supposed to be talking about, I do think that there is excitement to be had with Sony's involvement with the next Spider-Man movies coming out, especially if, like... With Kevin Feige ha having creative direction, but while still under the direction of Sony Productions. Yeah. The main thing is that I just want more creative um, creative freedom yeah. for, like, everyone. 
And I feel it'd be just way better if because not everyone was under the House of Mouse. Because the only ones who've had really freedom is Taika Waititi and the Russo brothers. James Gunn. And James Gunn, that is true. And James Gunn. Yeah, because I mean, we even saw it with, um, what was it? We even saw it with Eternals, where even though Eternals was like very unique, I feel it was very, very much constrained by what Disney and the big executives wanted. Despite the fact that, of course, Chloe Zhao is an, I think she was Academy Award uh, nominated. I don't know if she was. She was winning. Either nominated or she won. Either way, she is a, phenomenal. Yeah. I think, but, yeah, I mean... Like, even then, they still restricted her movie. Yeah. So, let's move on out of our media segment, because at this point, with most of our segments that we have, I'm pretty sure, like, 50% of our content is Marvel content now. <laughs> I was going through our uploads, and I swear to God, every other video is Marvel. Every episode has some type of Marvel in it. Yeah. Well, let's try to diversify next week. Because, I mean, we'll uh, have... We'll have Marvel we'll, because episode four. We'll have Marvel because of episode four. But I'm sure we can find something else in media to talk about. I have some ideas in mind, but I'm going to have to push you on that outside of the podcast. Yes. For today, let's just move on to our first, not really political segment, but it does deal with politics in a way because it is happening in real life. So the new patch came out for the coronavirus and uh, we're seeing some buffs in transmittability. How yeah. do we feel about that and how it'll shake up the meta? Oh, God. So, <laughs> yes. With that, with, that, with that very, very cringe introduction, <laughs> we unfortunately have a new variant of the coronavirus, which is more infectious than the Delta variant that we have come to know and tolerate, which is called the Omicron variant, which was first detected in South Africa. Note, I say detected not that it originated from. I think that is a very important distinction. It was detected in South Africa, and that's when we came to realize, oh my God, we have another variant that's powerful, which once again is only happening because people aren't vaccinated, thus the virus is able to expand and become more powerful amongst unvaccinated populations. Yeah, so... And of course, we have seen the uprise in travel bans. I think eight good... African countries have been banned. I was about to say six, but yeah, has it jumped up to eight now? I believe it was seven, not including South Africa. Wow. Ugh. So, but yeah, and then just they had to choose the name Omicron. Really, I it, 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 it's. I, I hate to dive into conservative fear-mongering, but that is the scariest-sounding variant we've had so far. Uh, <laughs> like, cause, like, we've had many variants, because, of course, the, the original COVID and Delta were the most of concern, but we've had several. I mean, I want to... It's not the... It's a little bit inaccurate to say the original COVID, because COVID had already mutated before it hit the shores of the United States. Yeah. Because it had mutated in its travels between... China and Europe. Yeah. But really the only variants of concern that were identified by the WHO was Delta and Omicron. Yes. Um the eight countries that were given travel restrictions were Lesotho, South Africa, Eswatini, Nam- 
Nambia, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, Malawi, and Botswana. Well, I don't even recognize half of those. Agriculture's wine. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, like, oh god, I feel bad for those for the countries who are dealing with that because most because with them having travel restricted from their countries, like, oh boy, yeah, and it really sucks because vaccine hesitancy has been going up in the southern African countries. I mean, it was detected in South Africa because of the fact that. There is a lot of vaccine hesitancy in the country of South Africa, meaning that because the variant spread, I believe it started in the Netherlands and then spread across the European continent and into the African continent. Which it's very weird to think about um, vaccine hesitancy outside of the U.S. and other similar countries. But no, vaccine hesitancy is a universal thing because anti-vax ideas are a universal thing. Right. And like, it may not be rooted in the same conspiracy theories that us Americans and other Western countries have, but other countries and other cultures have their own conspiracy and, theories. And the reason I say that is because, like, us in America on the left have been combating this anti-vax mentality for the entirety of this pandemic within our own borders. Yeah. And so, like, to think of something that isn't associated with, like, not that anti-vax sentiment is associated with QAnon, but QAnon tier mentality yeah. like permeating the entirety of the conservative movement in the US. Yeah. It's very weird to think because like only like small segments of QAnon reach other countries. Yeah. I think it's a big thing is that a big thing to realize is that conspiracism, when based specifically in the global south, is used in the context of potential colonialism by bigger Western powers. Yeah. Because there is legitimacy to that with bigger Western powers and China, which is not a Western power, but it still is a huge power, um, economically and socially um, influencing their countries for the worse, putting them, putting entire countries into debt servitude, or using organizations such as... Um, the World Bank or the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, or just how there's a disproportionate representation within the UN, considering the, you know, the UN Security Council does not have any countries from the global south on its board. So a lot of conspiracies can be based in the fact that it could be Western propaganda used to disrupt their way of life. And I mean, it would make sense that you could use vaccines with that because not only are vaccines, vaccine hesitancy rising, the fact of the matter is that vaccines were not made readily available to countries in the global south, meaning that it allowed for more conspiracism to rise because not only were they not getting the, not only were people not taking the vaccine, they didn't have enough for it to become, you know, like, as pushed as we have it in America. Like in America, you see advertisement everywhere about get vaccinated, you can get vaccinated, easy as this, just walk into your local CVS free of charge. But other countries don't have the luxury of really doing that because they don't have the, the supply. They yeah. can't, they don't have the supply to be openly advertising, oh, come and do it, it's free, when what if you show up and there's a line of people and they run out? Yeah. And another reason why I'm so surprised by anti-vax sentiment around the globe is the fact that it's been mostly first world countries that have been using up 
all the vaccines. It's not even that they're using up, they're wasting it. Have you heard of how many vaccines have gone to waste because of the fact that the there's a significant number of people that don't want to get vaccinated, especially like, you just yeah. have them sitting there? Yeah, especially in conservative uh, states in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. it's and this has been an occurrence for the past year ever since I think I want to say I first heard of vaccines going to waste in. I think it's the vaccine started going out in March to the older population, and then what became available in May in our region. I, I want to say I want to say I started hearing around May or June that vaccines have started going to waste. I've heard is, of what was it? Um, I heard back in April about the potential numbers of waste that was happening, and I was really hoping that we wouldn't reach that. But it's very much looking like the we are just wasting. A lot of vaccines that very much could be going to, you know, because foreign countries. Because it's probably not an understatement that less than a quarter of vaccines have gone to third world countries. Yeah. And it's actually really interesting. Because, because like, uh, I'm not saying that based off of any statistics or anything. I'm just making an assumption based on what I already know. But that is a legitimate conclusion to come to based on all of the data that we've seen. It's actually really interesting that we're talking about this because I've been watching the show Lost, and that show is absolutely insane. But for one of the characters named Mr. Echo, his backstory is that he is a warlord and a drug runner in Nigeria. And one of the things that they peddle through the black market are vaccines because they're not because the supply is just not there to meet the demand. So a bunch of warlords use the prospect of having vaccines as a way of making a profit and it's really funny to see that in lost a show that came out back in 2004 and now be in the year 2021 and seeing that yeah that makes sense that a market for vaccines being on the black market would happen considering we have this massive shortage of vaccines in a lot of the global south and a massive waste of vaccines in the global north yeah, just. But now the thing that immediately comes to mind is how much is this uh, new variant going to be able to pass through currently vaccinated members of society? I do not I, know. I, mean, I don't I... think it. I don't think so. I mean, here's what I think. I don't think that we're going to see an uprise in vaccinated individuals getting uh, dying from the vaccine. Or not from the vaccine, but dying from the coronavirus, because I do think, like, because with the original string, it was almost like 98. I, I want to say it was the Pfizer or Moderna shot that was 98 to 95% effective. Pretty sure it was Moderna. And then we see that one go down with the Delta variant down to like the original numbers were 90, but I haven't looked at the statistics since then. Yeah. Like, with the efficacy rate, it could go down even more. But I don't think it'll go under 50%. I mean, not a doctor here, but the, the vaccines have seemed pretty effective. I don't know if it's going to completely bypass this current vaccine. I mean, it all depends. So, so before we continue about its potential harms with people that are vaccinated, we should understand how it came to be. Uh, the Omicron variant started in the Netherlands and spread amongst European populations before it came to the African continent, where it was first noticed 
among South African populations. Yeah. And then neighboring countries have potentially seen like minor flare-ups. Like, and when I mean minor, I mean potentially just single digits of people with the potential of the Omicron variant. Meaning that the Omicron variant, which was confirmed today to be in the United States via someone in California, probably has been here for a month. Yeah. In my opinion, the Omicron variant was probably here in the beginning of November. And we yeah. just didn't notice it until South Africa realized that it's a different variant because we've already had so many people catching the Delta variant through breakthrough that we may not have considered that another variant has sprouted up and is also causing breakthrough. Yeah. And so... And the one thing that people are mentioning a lot um, is that <sighs> this one has a higher transmittability. I don't know if there have been an uprise in symptoms. I think, um, like, I think if I remember correctly, there have been people losing their sense of uh, smell and taste, but I, I'm not so um, sure if I read that correctly. Um, but I do think that, like, a lot of what I've been seeing out uh, in the media is that they've only identified the increased transmittability as the big factor in this new variant. Yeah. Um according to uh Dr. Fauci that it um it may it might be able to avoid um protection of the monoclonal antibodies and the convalescent plasma and if worse comes to worse it could bypass the antibodies of the vaccine. Yeah. Which Dear that's, God, which that's worst case scenario. I'm still, I'm still pretty confident in saying that it won't go under fifty percent efficacy. But I, but people have been wrong before. Exactly, and the main thing that we really need to discuss, and I feel that this is now becoming more and more evident that we need to do is that we need to go back to lockdowns, and I really hate that. Yeah, but I feel like we have to. Because we now have two variants running around that are highly transmissible, that one we know causes breakthrough cases, and another that is currently being hypothesized to potentially cause breakthrough. And here's the thing that people don't realize, is that in the U.S., upwards of 900 to 1,000 people are dying a day to COVID. Exactly. Which, again, obligatory. We're not finished with COVID. We are still deep in this and i am afraid of another dark winter yeah i mean just today in the location where we live there was a thousand there's about 1600 new cases today alone yeah wow and so we are dealing with a pandemic and i unfortunately and i really hate this because i hated the lockdowns i absolutely despised it but we may need to go back to lockdowns because of the fact that this will kill people fast. Uh, I mean, it's possible that Omicron will just cannibalize the Delta variant. Oh, and... like the Delta variant cannibalized the original variant. So that is a very, very um, solid um, estimate for sure. But what if it doesn't? And we have to deal with both of them? Yeah, what if it doesn't? That would be terrifying. And we would have, we already have a lot of... Or you mean, 
you, you don't think Omicron is going to completely demolish uh, Delta? Yeah, what if it doesn't? What if we deal with Delta and Omicron? Because yeah. you know that there are variations of the flu that yeah. do not cannibalize each other. Yeah, because we have to get flu shots every every six months or to every year in order to because it's constantly evolving. What if we have to do that with COVID? Yeah. What if the Omicron and Delta don't cannibalize? They just persist. And the reason I don't think it's going to happen is conservatives won't let it happen. The lockdowns? Yeah. Unfortunately, I know for a fact that uh, we have governors such as Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis that would sooner die than allow their co- than to allow I mean, their states to become uh, locked down again. But I would even I mean, hazard to say that Democratic governors probably don't want to lock down again either. Yeah, they probably they probably would lock down if we see like mass uptick in deaths. I feel like they would lock down if they got significant pressure from the federal government. I mean, that too. I don't think... But, let's face it. States like Texas and Florida, they didn't lock down. They did not. They did, but they didn't lock down as hard as other states, like, say, Massachusetts. When I say that, I mean in comparison, of course. Like, in comparison to, like, states like New York, California places like that. Yeah. They did not lock down. Yeah. When you when you look or, at Or and I mean even when in, you look at the two extremes like even when you look at our best states, if you compare them to European countries now they locked down, we were still paling in comparison. Right. And so I don't think we're going to see a lockdown again despite my belief that it's necessary. And personally, I think both Democrat and Republican governors are not going to go for it. I feel Democrats will only go for it with significant pressure because it's not a popular position. I don't think liberals want lockdowns. And especially because our economy is like, like whenever you turn on the news, the economy is all we're hearing about hyperinflation, gas prices going up, which I mean is a ludicrous thing to talk about right now, considering we're still in the midst of a pandemic. But that's what that's what's going on. That's what's driving a lot of uh, political talk right now. Yeah, and the problem also is that we have so many industries, billion-dollar industries at that, that suffered under the lockdowns. And if a lockdown happens again, they will suffer again. Movie theaters barely hung on by a thread after the recent lockdown. They will probably die if another one happens. Conventions... Um, like conventions and fairs, like and all the different sub communities of that, like our cosplaying. Cosplaying as a as an industry, it believe I believe is worth five billion dollars. And also that would go down tremendously if we have another lockdown. And also imagine like the damage it would do to rent. I know, rent would be absolutely I mean, insane. Do you remember how much of a fight it was to extend the moratorium on rent? I know. And or not on rent, on uh, evictions. Evictions, yeah. And so imagine what would happen if we go back into another lockdown. Like, I genuinely like, feel... Would there would there even be a moratorium this time? People would fight it. The, like, I believe the conservatives in power would fight another moratorium, as they would feel that it wouldn't be necessary to have that if... You just stop the lockdown. That was pretty much one of their bigger arguments against having the moratorium to begin with. Yeah. 
And so it would be even harder to restart a lockdown and start another moratorium and start another stimulus set. I genuinely feel that this would be bipartisan. I am firmly confident that bipartisan support would come from rejecting lockdowns, rejecting moratoriums, rejecting stimulus. I genuinely believe it would be a bipartisan decision at that, which really sucks because we need this. But I also understand that there are billions, if not trillions of dollars on the line if we go into another lockdown. Entire industries will die. Like, we've seen so many businesses that have just died. And that will only catalyze the monopolization of certain industries. I mean, look at how much Amazon has grown throughout the pandemic. Exactly. You can even just see that in Jeff Bezos' net worth growing over the course of the pandemic. Exactly. I mean, things like corporations that do things such as delivery, such as like Amazon or DoorDash or Uber, they saw massive increases because of the fact that people ordered more. Or streaming services, once again Amazon, but Netflix Hulu, and now Disney will see massive increases if another lockdown happens again. And those are, those are not necessarily bad things, but, but the, it is to say that with that happening, other industries will fail, meaning in-person restaurants that don't offer proper delivery options will fail. Network television that isn't based in streaming can start to see failures. Movie theaters especially will see failures. Of like sporting events will see failures, meaning sports networks will be starved for content, meaning that they will start to see slippage. We will see a lot of just various different things. I mean, entertainment across the board would potentially diminish. Yeah. And this is a reality that we're facing, which is basically we're dealing with mass death again, and on almost 100% certainty that we will reach a million deaths due to this virus. Yeah. Or a complete shutdown of the entire country again, which, in my opinion, I think will lead to a lot more deaths. And when you say a million deaths, you mean in the U.S.? Cause in the U.S. Th- alone, I'm talking. Because, let's face the fact that in the globe, we have definitely hit the several million mark. Oh yeah, we have, but in the U.S., we've hit a million mark. And I feel that... I think that- recently, before Omicron, I looked at the stats and we... Past seven hundred fifty thousand. Oh yeah, we've we've passed seven hundred fifty thousand back in late October. Yeah, and so the main thing I'm worried about is that if we did another lockdown again, I feel that we would see we would still see an uptick in death. Yeah, because it would be even because, more bleak. because this one is not like more lethal, but the fact that it's more transmissible will lead to more. No, deaths. I'm not talking about from COVID. If we have another lockdown, I believe more people will commit suicide. Right. Because we just came out of a hopeless situation, and unfortunately, and this is really an unfortunate reality, many suicides are deal are de- are done because of financial strain, the enormity of financial strain, and how you can feel endlessly trapped, and how you feel the only way out is to potentially die, to get rid of the debt. Imagine what happens if we have another lockdown. So many Americans will become financially disadvantaged, and the debts will pile up quickly. And if we don't get proper moratoriums, I very much could see many people potentially taking their own lives 
for, you know, life insurance, potentially, for their families if it's applicable or something or the other. I mean, abusive relationships and situations involving abuse will definitely increase as abuse victims will be trapped with their abusers. And we all know how those situations can really end nasty with either the abuser murdering the victim or the victim taking their own lives. Or even sometimes a victim takes the life of their abuser, but that's still death. And that would still contribute to an increase in death and just general unhappiness in the country if we have another lockdown. Yeah. Which really, it, when I when you when I describe it like this, it sounds borderline like the precipice of the apocalypse. Yeah, it re really sounds like we are on the precipice of an apocalypse when you when you really think of the stakes of how much can go wrong. Yeah, and internally, or like outside of the podcast, I've been making jokes to my friend groups like. Oh yeah, we just escaped the post-apocalypse. Not as exciting as I expected, but happy to make it out alive. We are going to return. For all we know, that wasn't the apocalypse. That, that was the calm before the apocalypse. That was the that's the premonition that some person has before the apocalypse, and no one believes him that things are gonna get worse, and then it does. Yeah. So I really don't want to be doomer about things. But this is a very this is a situation that is very dire and, and I feel is not being treated with the proper level of enormity that we are facing. I with mean this look virus. At, not that the stock market holds much value to how economic growth is really, but look at how much the stock market crashed after the announcement of the Omicron variant. Exactly. Because it, it dropped a lot. Yeah. And just because of out of fear of going into a lo another lockdown. And what I fear is that Omicron is not the last. Oh, for sure it's not. If anything, if, if, Delta if, was the Delta was like the first horseman of the apocalypse that showed up. Omicron yeah. is like the second. If, if conservative stupidity continues to flourish in our country, we are definitely going to see more variants because of this. It, and you know. This may be a little weird of a comparison, maybe inappropriate, but I think it's apt. Omicron, Omicron could be to us what Absol is to Pokemon. The thing that you see before disaster. <laughs> like, honestly, it could be the thing that we see that is what, when someone, it's the thing that we see and we realize we're fucked. And I know this segment has been very, very doomer, but I genuinely am afraid for what can happen with this virus getting yeah. worse. And the only things that we can do to prevent this is, please, for the love of God, for the love of all things that you feel may be holy or unholy or sacred or whatever, Get vaccinated if you have not. Definitely, Please. definitely sign up for the booster shot as well. The with the new variants coming out, the efficacy of the uh, vaccine has been dropping. So definitely sign up for the booster shot. Also. Please consider wearing masks again. I know they are uncomfortable, but that's something we have to do because this. Again, this is the second, this is only the second variant of concern that we've gotten from the WHO. Yes. And mind you, 
this doesn't mean there were there's only been two variants total. There have been numerous variants that have been happening that we just don't that just aren't reported on because they aren't worse. They are but they are there. And that means the potential for more is always there. And reminder that we are learning about the Omicron variant, I think at the tail end of November, now early December, when in reality Omicron existed one month ago. And we are just now learning about it. Which means, even now, there could be another variant that is already there that is worse than Omicron that we have yet to discover what is currently infecting the population. Yeah. Now, do you want to talk about the conservative hysteria around Omicron? Um, yes. I feel that if we're going to be talking about the dangers of this, we also need to debunk a lot of conspiracism and a lot of misinformation that's currently being spread if you want to start with that yeah the easy one people are going on like what is omicron omicron was just made up to sound scary i know i joked before about omicron sounding scary and they chose the worst possible greek numeric letter but for those of you who don't know yes it is a greek letter it's just it's no different than how we name storms after names of people. And the funny thing is, is like, they think that they made it up. Like, they just chose the scare. Like, honestly, what did you do? Choosing the scariest sounding one to perpetuate this nonsense. But they think just because of how scary it sounds, that they made up just to incite some sort of fear mongering. Yeah. And then the next one is, of course, the idea that oh, it's convenient that a new variant pops up right on, like, right on time for the economy to plummet. And here's the thing. When it comes to viruses, there are no coincidences. It happens. And let's be honest here. We know why the variants are happening now. Holidays. There are many holidays in many different cultures around the world that are happening now. And people want to travel and see each other. Last year, many people missed seeing their families during these events. And so this year, they really want to make it up. Unfortunately, because of the fact that many of the people that are doing this are not vaccinated, or they haven't gone to the booster, or just simply they were unfortunate enough to be breakthrough, yeah. it makes it... It means that we're spreading. And here in the United States, we just had Thanksgiving. And while for my family personally, we did not have anyone travel from the out of state, I know many families did. And it's unfortunately... A, it's a huge part of American culture that we all congregate as, a, as like familial units to celebrate Thanksgiving. And a lot of families do that out of state. Yeah. And I mean... We're coming up on Christmas, we're coming up on New Year's, we're coming and, up on and Hanukkah. Christmas is probably Kwanzaa. even worse when it comes to people vacationing out of state. Because at least Thanksgiving is an American-centric holiday. Christmas, Kwan Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, New Year's, and other um, holiday events around this time become damn near universal. Yeah. Because, like... It's pretty much, like, December is distinguished as, like, the holiday month. Yeah. So, no matter what religion you, you practice, or if you're atheist and practice Christmas, 
like or just not even practicing Christmas, any other form of holiday that happens around this time. It is the main catalyst for travel during yeah. this time period. And a lot of that travel is done via air travel or train travel. Yeah. Both of which are areas that have people in contained spaces where they are potentially able to infect each other. I don't know if um, people travel by boat. I don't think people travel by boat anymore. People will take cruise ships for the vacation. They'll take cruise ships for the vacation. Which is a massive which is a massive hub for people to gather and spread viruses. Of course, the one that comes to mind is the Diamond Princess. Yes. And unfortunately, there's a double-edged sword with this. On one hand, it is terrible that if people are on cruise ships and they're spreading it. But on the other hand, there are countries that rely on tourism as their main mode of making money. Entire countries are determined their entire economies are determined by tourists and tourist um, tourist traffic. So, we stop tourism, other countries start failing, more so than they already are. But if we continue with it, we are spreading this virus internationally. Yeah. And so, this is... It is a beyond messy and complicated situation, and it is not convenient in any way. This is just showing how interconnected the world truly is and how we are not that separate from each other like we think we are. That the things that affect people across the globe somehow don't affect us is a lie. I mean, this virus started in Northern Europe and was discovered as actually, not this virus, this variant originated in northern europe but wasn't detected until it hit the southern part of africa tells you a lot about how interconnected we really are yeah which also makes me scared about the incubation period of this new variant exactly because we don't know that yet yeah we don't because i don't remember if there was an incubation period change between the original and delta i don't believe so i don't think so but that could change with this one exactly I mean, the fact of the matter is that... Because, for all we know, this incubation period could be shortened to one week, as compared to two weeks of the original, and imagine how much damage that will do. Exactly. Because the other thing with holidays is that a lot of people spend around a week. Yeah. They spend around a week because Christmas is only one week away from what is known mostly around the world and agreed upon to be the start of the new year being the 1st of January, being one week after the 25th of December. So a lot of people do stay in the areas that they are for Christmas and New Year's, meaning the potentiality for spread is even higher, especially because with New Year's, it's going to be big. People are wanting to go out again. Because not people traveling out of state, but people traveling in their own communities. Exactly. So you'll have massive travel to other states and then those people will then congregate back home and interact with their co-workers their their uh nuclear family they're just yeah i mean it's i wouldn't even go far i wouldn't even stop at states it's countries yeah people come from across the world to congregate with their families during these events because they're two very huge cultural almost universal cultural like despite like at this point, Christmas is pretty much and not really a Christian holiday anymore. 
I mean, it's pretty much because it never was the Christmas as we know it was never necessarily a Christian holiday, which is but, which is why it's so universal. Yeah, because of the fact that it's so commodified. Yeah, but even then, even if you don't have following Christmas, you have other religions that are also around this time. Yeah. So, so the the universality the universality of these holidays is going to cause a mass spread of the Omicron variant. Yeah, which really, God. I mean, what else is what else, what else is there to say? Yeah. The only thing there is to say is get your booster shots. Get your booster shots and get vaccinated if you haven't already. And talk to family and friends about getting these things if they haven't already. Because you may think, oh, they're conservative. They're not going to listen to me. Honestly, if you make a good enough case and show compassion, you will be able to convince anyone who is not Q adjacent to get this vaccine. And even then. You even if that doesn't work, you can always threaten them with this, and please do so as a last resort. And if you are able to do so financially, cut yourself off from these people until they get vaccinated. That is something that works. Peer pressure and the potentiality of social isolation from the ones you love can be a strong motivating factor for people to just bite the bullet and get vaccinated. I don't recommend doing this as your first option i recommend this as a last resort and only if you can financially afford to do this cutting yourself off from unvaccinated members of your family or friends that um refuse to get vaccinated it is a last resort please do not use this as your first resort as it can go very badly and one el- one thing else that needs to be said is even if this happens to break through the vaccine, it is still imperative that you get it. Because, because Delta has been able to break through somewhat, but at the same time, people who have taken the vaccine are not dying at the same rate as the, the unvaccinated population. And so even You also have to remember that just because Delta and Omicron broke through doesn't change the fact that there are minor variants of COVID still... Yeah, so this getting this vaccine will help your fight in in surviving this pandemic. Even if the virus breaks through, you are a lot less likely to die if you catch it. Yeah. Um, Do you think that's everything you wanted to bring up? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps up that segment nicely. All right. So we want to talk about our last segment, which is um, unfortunately... um, it is not as um, positive as we would like. Yeah, let's let's not open with a joke this time. Yeah, it's the trial of Ghislaine Maxwell, which, for those of you who do not know, Ghislaine Maxwell is the confidant, romantic partner, and second-in-command for Jeffrey Epstein and his various um, endeavors. We should say yes she is currently on trial for her participation in the sex trafficking prostitution and the unfortunate sexual assault and rape of minors and women i think she's got six charges three of them being conspiracy and then the others being incitement trafficking and transport i think 
But transporting be separate. I I have to look at the. I believe I believe transporting would just fall under trafficking. I think so. I think the other one. Wait, wait, no. Transporting. The difference between transporting and trafficking is, I believe, trafficking you have to cross some form of lines, like state line or country line. Okay. But transporting would be within one sort of municipal area. Yeah, I'm not looking at the article in front of me right now, and it's a long one. It's so a it, very long article. We will link it in the description. Yeah. Um. But as far as like this is concerned like i like ever since like the netflix documentary came out about this whole situation it almost slipped my mind that this was happening like we needed to know as like as like the general public what is going on with this because like this is like the controversy of the decade yeah and the thing is is that the unfortunate reality of the situation is that like many situations like this it was known within the public knowledge it was available publicly for years and then and it was just simply the new york times article that we uh, looked into for this um segment is that she's also being um put um there are also charges against her for perjury which are going to be taken care of separate from this trial due to her um i think it was lying in court in 2016 yes and so, the things to bring up about this trial is, one, that it is, and I think I can speak for both of us, our belief that Ghislaine Maxwell is guilty of all charges, that she is very much complicit in allowing for the abuses that were suffered under Jeffrey Epstein, his associates, and herself. I believe she is 100% an active and complicit member of this conspiracy. And I don't, and I say conspiracy, not in the conspiracy, um, conspiracy theory sense, but conspiracy by legal definition. Yeah. I believe she is a 100% active and complicit member of this conspiracy. I think that it's fair to say that we believe that she is guilty of our charges and she should be prosecuted and convicted to the fullest extent of the law and that she should be locked up for the rest of her days. Because I think... I think, like, the charges ha that she has against her could put her up away for 70 years. Which would constitute pretty much the rest of her life, considering... Con like, she's almost to her 50s, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think she's in her 40s. I think she's way older. I believe Ghislaine Maxwell is around her 50s, if not 60s. Let me, let me, um... All right, I, I guess we're actually pulling up the article this time, huh? <laughs> uh, I was actually just going to check uh, her. I was just going to check out how old she was. Yeah. But regardless, I believe she will die in prison if she does get the maximum of 70 years. Yeah, definitely. Um, Ghislaine Maxwell is currently 59 years old. 59. Okay, so, so it's approaching 60, not 50. So, yeah, um, she will, if prosecuted to the fullest extent and convicted, she will most likely die in prison, and that is a fate that is, in my opinion, too light for her, considering all the suffering and damages that she has caused to not just the victims that are currently um, part of the prosecution that are helping to try and bring her to justice, but the many unsung, unknown um, victims that we may never know about due to various circumstances such as bribery, um, bribery fear, and potential death. Yeah. So I really want to say that um, this trial is important for one, because we will finally see in some capacity 
some level of accountability for a rich and powerful individual's participation in said crimes. And I unfortunately have the opinion that many of the people named potentially in this trial will not suffer any consequences such as former President Bill Clinton, former President Donald Trump, um, Prince Andrew of the United Kingdom, and many other celebrities that were named within the papers, such as uh, celebrities such as, I believe, Chris Tucker, among others. Yeah. And I do not believe any of them will suffer major consequences due to the nature of our legal system, but I do believe that if Ghislaine Maxwell is put behind bars and rots in prison, that is at least some form of a victory. Yeah. And what I found truly disgusting about this case is what the defense lawyers have been saying in defense of her. Yes. Which, I mean, it is unfortunately their job, but it doesn't make it any less disgusting yeah, and the, more infuriating. So the two things that are, the defense has been mainly using is, one, that the victims are lying and that they are doing... Or not that, not that they're lying. Well, I guess lying is a little bit, but their memories are corrupted by the yeah. media outcry. Yeah, they, the, they say, they say the, the two big arguments are that their memories have been corrupted by the recent media outcry. And, or, they are lying because they want to have a gigantic settlement from the epic. The other arguments that they are using is the fact that Ghislaine Maxwell was not in any way complicit and that she was just in the shadow of Epstein, completely oblivious to what was happening. And they're using they're using like they're replacing him and putting her in his chair yeah they which, are basically saying that she is just being which, effectively she's being um the scapegoat lynched by the mob yeah for which yeah. Let, let's face the fact that many people have said this and i am confident in saying this they are partners in crime they are definitely partners in crime in fact there was a star witness was um i believe his name is don't quote me on this. I thought his name was Kevin Porter, but he was the private pilot for Jeffrey I, Epstein. I don't think that was his name. I think it was something a little more un-American. Um, let me check. But regardless of what his um, regardless of what uh, his name is, his job was being a private pilot for Epstein and Maxwell, and he very much described how active she was in a lot of his endeavors, and how she was definitely someone that was, um, you know, there, and would have some form of, like, you know, high position. Um, anything you would like to contribute on that front? <sighs> yeah, because... The pilot was one of the first witnesses to come up. Yes, he the, was considered the star witness of the day one. Yeah, which this trial is most likely going to go on for more than a month. Oh, definitely. Because of all of the information that could be compiled. Because for re reference on another case we covered, the Rittenhouse trial didn't last nearly as long as this one could potentially be. Yeah. And so... <clears throat> Um, let me, I uh, want to find this pilot's name, because I want to, um, okay, so I want to find this pilot's name, because I want to be correct, um, Mr. Visoski, his name is Lawrence Paul Visoski Jr., so, okay, 
very different from Kevin Porter. But uh, Mr. Vasowski did describe that uh, Ghislaine Maxwell was very much involved in Epstein's escapades. Thankfully, for the sake of the victims, they are also using synonyms, synonyms or aliases for the trials to protect yeah. them. Because, as we saw with uh, the various um, sexual assault cases brought against former President Donald Trump, many of them that used their actual names were very much bullied by the general public into recanting their statements and recanting entire lawsuits. So thankfully with this one, we are dealing with um, people who will have pseudonyms and who will probably never be revealed to the public what their real identities are. And I believe that is absolutely for the best. Um, I believe um, one of the testimonies that we have is someone under the pseudonym Jane who described how Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein approached her at a park and how they bonded over the fact they lived in Palm Beach and how Palm Beach, Florida specifically, and how specifically Ghislaine Maxwell would um, groom her by taking her on extravagant shopping trips and slowly but surely get her used to the various abusive advances made by Jeffrey Epstein. And if that is true, which I'm inclined to believe, that is absolutely disgusting, as it would, one, show that she knew exactly what she was doing when she would confront people, not confront, approach people. She would either approach um, one-on-one with the shopping trips where it would just be the victim and Ghislaine, and they would go on extravagant extravagant shopping trips, or would approach with Epstein himself, and they would engage in what would be friendly banter and conversation in an effort to lower one's guard and make themselves become personable before they strike and reveal themselves to be the monsters that they are. And I just... The main because, reason, because uh, the big yeah. thing, because everyone when uh, Epstein was first arrested, everyone was paying attention to this. Yes, and then that was further um, exemplified by the release of the Netflix documentary, which revealed a lot, revealed a lot of victim testimony, and or not testimony, but a lot of victim interviews that re- that revealed stuff that they had to tell about what happened to them. Um, one thing that. I feel is very important to address is twofold. One, the fact that this stuff exists, as some people felt was validation to the QAnon conspiracy theory of the deep state and its various connections to sex trafficking and the abuse of minors. And I would like to say that while this does exist, and while there most definitely are cabals of people that participate in these actions that involve people of power, this does not in any way validate the conspiracy theory that the elites of the world are all complicit specifically, and they really try to hammer home the fact that these elites are the liberals and Democrats in in the American government that are performing these things in some form of satanic ritual to extend their own life and gain powers. That is not the case. The reality of the situation is that there are many people in this world that are abusive and evil, and they do not view people as people. They view them as objects and tools, and they have formed entire, basically, syndicates or cabals around 
the idea that they can just use people for their own pleasure because they don't view them as people. And I think that's what really this is a case of. It's not a case of the world elites coming together for some type of like ultimate power. It's about self, the, the un, I would say the unhealthy, toxic, abusive, and evil hedonism that several people have. And the other thing I want to address is how can we avoid things like this in the future? And I feel that one of the important things that we need to do, education, we need people, especially young people and children, to understand their bodies and to understand that they have boundaries that they are allowed to set up and that no one, especially people in positions of power, are entitled in any way to touch or in any way do something to those to those parts of your body and that you have personal autonomy and personal space. I believe that is something that we need to be teaching our children. Another thing that needs to be done is we very much need to work on income inequality. Many of the girls that have been in, that have been um, unfortunately victimized were enticed to first interact with Mr. Epstein and and I don't know why I called him Mr. Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein and Islay Maxwell under the pretext that they would be working some form of a job. And many of them felt that they needed the income because they wanted to pay for things that they needed, like bills, or that they would somehow, or that this money would be some form of a job that would allow them to finally obtain money so they could potentially up their station in life, not knowing that this was a trap. And so we definitely need to address income inequality because things like the very, the very, things like sex trafficking and human trafficking in general are usually born out of the victims being in a position of vulnerability financially. So that needs to be addressed. And I believe the final thing, and mind you, this is just three big things. There are a million different things that contribute to this entire, just, I, I, I can't even find the proper words to describe just the entirety of these acts of evil. But the third thing that we need to address is the fact that we need to we need to do away with the previously established gender roles that we have that have caused the harm that allowed for these various people to be abused because they were socialized to be submissive or they were socialized to not in any way communicate how they felt or communicate with other people because of just the various different gender roles that men and women suffer from. Women are socialized to not be in any way um, open about sexuality or sexual experiences, meaning that many of them don't get to really talk about things that have gone wrong and necessarily find out what went wrong and that maybe the things that they were experiencing were wrong and they were valid for feeling uncomfortable. The same goes for men. Men are also conditioned to be this way. Men are also conditioned to accept advances from women, even if they are not comfortable with them, and thus many women are also assaulted. Many men have their bodily autonomy threatened and violated at numerous points, and they are just told to deal with it. And I think those mentalities definitely contributed to the proliferation of these actions. And I think these three are some of the things that we really should address as a society to ensure that we can avoid things like this.
anything you want to add. So we mentioned this before with the Rittenhouse trial. This is where we will learn the most about what happened. Now, again, I've mentioned this a few times, but we did learn a lot about the situation that happened through the Netflix documentary and through reporting that happened after the arrests of these two. But this trial will uncover the probably most factual parts of this or these acts of conspiracy. And this the the impact of this trial will be massive. Yeah. Without a doubt. Most definitely. Um I know this was a very, very bleak and in some ways disturbing segment to end on, but we felt that it was necessary to address this trial as it's happening and address just this entire scandal to begin with because of how evil it is. It's evil. Yeah. I don't think I can stress how just evil it all is and how we cannot make light of that fact. There are many different conspiracies going on about how, if, whether Jeffrey Epstein killed himself, whether he was assassinated, and this, that, and the other thing. But I think the main dialogue that we should be having is about the victims and the sympathy and empathy that we should be having for them, the support that we should be giving to them, and the fact that we need to be improving the societal mechanisms that we have to, one, help people that are victims of these things and to prevent people from being victims of these things. We need to increase support for victims of assault of all genders. We need to be we need to be educating people about the various ways that your body can be violated by anyone and that it is not something that you are supposed to take because of whatever anyone tells you. If you feel uncomfortable, you should not be forced to partake in actions, especially ones of a sexual nature. You do have the right to say no, and if someone does not respect that, then they are someone that is violating you, and that is not right. It is awful, and they, it's terrible. And this is just, in some ways, a culmination of a lot of terrible issues that I don't even want to say is localized to the United States, something that the world needs to be addressing. Right. And I know that with the ending of these two segments that we're kind of leaving off on a bleaker tone here, so hopefully the news will provide us with something a little more upbeat next week. Um, though we cannot guarantee it, most likely we will see uprise in the spread of the Omicron variant. We will see the updates to this trial, but we'll be here to report on it. Of course, um, with everything going on, it's really... It's really important that we report on this stuff, without yeah. a doubt. It's all really difficult, and it's all really heavy, so... Yeah. Yeah, I will... Yeah. Um, I do want to thank you all for staying with us and for supporting the channel and the podcast as a whole. Um, next week will mark our 10th episode, which is incredible. We've yeah. been doing this for 10 weeks already, which is 
really insane to think about. Double digit episodes already. Let's let's definitely save the celebrations for next week. I I, yeah. d- I don't feel comfortable celebrating. Oh no, it's not going to celebrate. But I do want to thank you all for mm-hmm. your continued support. To yeah, thank you for supporting us. Um, I just cannot express how much gratitude I have for all the fans out there. And um, please um, like, uh, like, follow, subscribe, and share all content regarding to the World Wide Wednesday podcast so that we can grow and we can just continue to do what we do here, which is reporting on things and just giving our opinion on things. Yeah. Of and course, like every week, we catch us every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I am your co-host, Sovereign. And I'm Shiny, and we are signing off. Have a good night, everybody.